This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the tailgatesociety.com. You can find us on all the streaming services at just Bitter Units, or you can get the Tailgate Society feed if you look up Tailgate Society. Uh, you can find us there as well. And we're back with episode number who knows, because I have lost track and don't really care to keep count. Um, we're Plus, here you can't to- count. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> 2, 4, 12, 30. Uh, yeah. No, we're not talking about the number of toes you have. Adam. Oh, okay. Um, so we're back this week. Um, hope you listened to the last one where we made fun of JT. Um, we won't be doing as much of that maybe this time. Um, because we do have a guest. And uh, that guest is here to talk about diversity. I mean, a an old wooden ship. <laughs> uh, I was hoping we'd avoid that one, but that's fine. Nope, can't do it. Sorry. I've actually been to this brewery, but Tim, welcome our guest. Yeah, um, this is somebody I probably should have had on a couple months ago. Uh, they opened up six months ago. Um, in the neighborhood, and when I say in the neighborhood, like walking distance from my house, like five blocks. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's pretty fantastic how close it is. Um, and before they even got their doors open, then I was just over bugging them constantly while they were getting open, uh, holding metal while Suresh was welding, or holding a beer while Suresh was welding or uh, (laughs) doing a a lot of things, but um, uh, really excited to have Josh. Uh, Josh, I've never actually asked, is it Ostrike? Is that how you say your last name? Uh, I mean, it's gotten Americanized. Okay. We'll we'll say A-Strike. It's the easiest, like in baseball or bowling, A-Strike. Okay. See, so I, I I have another friend... Same spelling as your last night, last name, and he pronounces it Ostrike. Yeah, there's there's no right way to say it, and you're you're also wrong no matter how you say it. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, so Josh from Wooden Ship is here. So Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pumped to be here. Oh, has he listened to an episode? If he's pumped to be here, I listened to one. <laughs> I listened to the one we do with uh with Dinger. From uh, unmapped, yeah, well, that's yeah. good enough. Okay, I made me realize I can swear, and that's okay. So I don't have to be careful. No, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, awesome. I, as I said, I have been to this brewery. Um, of course, that was in August, Tim. Uh yeah, I think so. I think the first time I was back in Minneapolis for work. Um, yeah, a while back. I was back in August. The patio was still open because it was nice out. Um, Tim wandered around the place like he owned it, went in the back, did all kinds of weird stuff while we were there. Um, But I think, Tim, is that pretty normal for you? Do you just wander around breweries like you you own the place? I just pretend like I do. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Just a lot easier. 
Just act like you know what you're doing. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> someone probably has some pub mix in the back, and so you're probably going to want to walk and find that first. Right. If you're confident, you can get in anywhere. That's right. <laughs> that's that's 100% right. So, wooden ship. Let's start with that. How did you, I want to know how you came up with the name, Wooden Ship. I mean, you're in the middle of a residential neighborhood, basically, in yep. Minneapolis, yet Wooden Ship. Uh, the name came about probably almost 10 years ago um, at the time. So there's three of us that opened the place. Um, and two of us were heavy into homebrewing, both diving into the commercial world and just the beer industry in general. Um I don't know, thinking like the craft scene was just taking off in Minnesota. Um, and we kind of had the realization that like homebrewing is super fun. Craft beer seems like it's taken off. Like this is going to be a trend. What if in the future we did this ourselves? Like it was fun working for other commercial breweries, but like ultimately I, I get sick of working for other people pretty quickly. So from the get go, when I realized like I was okay at making beer, I was like, all right, we should work towards opening our own thing someday. Um, we never really pitched around a whole lot of names. It was just like the name popped up one day. Um, so it comes from a song. Uh, the three of us are all musicians. Um, so there's a band called Listener. Uh, and they have a song called Wooden Heart that basically talks about, uh, uses the analogy of like a shipwreck being like a metaphor for your people and your community. Like in a, all the boards are broken people of the shipwreck. And the song talks about essentially coming back together and rebuilding and kind of everyone's coming from a different place. Everyone's broken. Everyone has their own experiences, but if we can come back together, you can create something better and continue to, you know, float the seas of life essentially together. Uh, Windship's whole mission is to be super communal. Um, We kind of all believe that without the community that helped create us, we wouldn't be where we are today. You know, there's good experiences, bad experiences, like they've all shaped us and where we are, where we are today because of everything that's happened in life. And at the same time, if you have no community to share with, we can be the most successful brewery in the world. Uh, you know, we could be here and buying out new Belgium. Now bells like taking over the whole world here. But if you're super successful and have like no one to share that with, like what's the point? So we're trying to be really uh, hyper communal so that long story short, that's the you know, the song was just influential in kind of creating our mission statement. And again, it was the name we came up with like in 2013 or something. And I don't think we ever really thought about it. We just had like our own Instagram. We had website. We sold shirts. And then like as we were opening, we're like, huh, I guess we're like just going with this name. Cool. Like, it's <laughs> fine. It is what it is. We, uh, we never wanted to be super like kitschy boat themed um and we've been fighting that ever since we opened <laughs> well it's, it's uh, the irony is the park that is two blocks away there was a, a wooden playground pirate ship in the park yeah. that they that they promptly took out like three months after these guys opened right. <laughs> <laughs> so so there was a wooden ship in the neighborhood for a very brief time yeah oh. i mean it plays well that we're so close to the lakes in Minneapolis and like, I don't know, the land of 10,000 lakes, so water themed, super popular in Minnesota. Unfortunately, and that's not unfortunate. It happened by coincidence that we ended up like five miles away from Wooden Hill Brewing, like the only other wooden brewery around. So 
we didn't intend to have a similar name so close to someone, but it is what it is. There's so many breweries that have similar names already. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of a random name inspired by a song. We just, uh, eight years later, are sticking with it because we're too lazy to think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, eight years... You you decided a long time ago then to be to open a brewery, and we had someone on here. Well, how long ago was it that we had? Oh, Adam. Adam on. Adam was about a, a month ago, two months a month, ago. Yeah, about two months ago. Yeah. You know who who went down this path too? Um, Adam from Northgate. Ul- yeah, ultimately, you know yeah. uh, that story. I'm sure. Um, but it's interesting that people are still, you know, opening breweries and it's the saturation. We've talked about that a lot here. Mm -hmm. Um, what ultimately drove you to do it at this time? (laughs) Uh, good question. (laughs) Cause he's dumb. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Cause my wife said it was okay. (laughs) Um, no, I, I, I started commercially brewing, five years ago, something like that. Um, at the time I'd been cooking for years. Like I've, I've cooked for a decent amount of my adult life. I'm super passionate about just creating in any form, whether it's music, cooking, whatever. Brewing just kind of, I fell into a job. I applied for this bartending job at a new brewery and ended up, before they even opened, falling into an assistant brewer job because they knew I home brewed. Um, which might tell you a lot about that brewery. <laughs> um, but no, like, I think it's just another, I'm the kind of person that gets bored really easily. And so like while cooking was really fun, like I wanted a new creative outlet and like brewing was a whole new world for me where like, you know, home brewing is fun, but like ultimately you make a lot of bad beer. Um, and on a commercial scale, it's really fun to have, you know, the first time we had beer in liquor stores, like I was so pumped. Like I went and bought a bunch of my own beer that I'd made. Cause like it blew my mind that other people wanted to drink something I had made. And so that just like ignited a passion. Um, after that brewery I worked at before, uh, 12 eyes brewing, they're no longer open. They closed in 2019. Um, I went back to cooking for a while and that was fun. But again, just like a different cooking is so like immediate gratification whereas brewing like, there's so much more thought and time that goes into something. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> We've been talking about opening for a while, but it was kind of just like the two of us who were originally the founders of Wooden Ship were the brewers, like creative types, but not business. Like we didn't know anything about writing a business plan. Like we basically did nothing from 2013 to 2018 other than make homebrew and like tell our friends we were going to open a brewery and like nothing ever happened. And then our third partner uh, came along and basically just started kicking our asses and was like, if you want to do this, let's do this. Like, we're like, okay, let's, let's go for it. And then we were kind of looking all around Minneapolis. We knew we don't want to be in Northeast because it is way more saturated up there. South side is where two of the three of us lived at the time. And there was really nothing down here other than like Wild Mind. Steel Toe is kind of South side. Um, yeah, so we, we were looking kind of working our way towards it but still not really making progress and then pandemic hit i got laid off 
for my cooking job because the whole restaurant just shut down. Uh, and then I also had uh, my first kid at the time, so I was just home with a baby all day, every day, with tons of time to just like think and plan and try to figure out what I actually wanted to do moving forward. Um, and then stuff just kind of fell in place really quickly. Like we decided to, uh, I mean, Tim, you're not wrong when you said, cause I'm dumb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it might not have been the smartest move, but like we had put enough thought and planning into it. Uh Oh, Oh, he froze. <laughs> he froze. Oh, and frozen. Uh, I don't know. Okay, he's still still moving. All right. Well, we had a little technical difficulty there, and we lost Josh for a minute. So uh, we're back, and this will be an ugly edit back back together for JTs, but yeah, tough. Um, so you had just told us that uh, you were an idiot for opening a brewery during a pandemic, and you were going into that part of it, Josh. But I, I did want to ask you yeah. what kind of saint – your wife is that she let you open a brewery with a yeah. one-year-old or so um that's yeah. pretty crazy yeah i'm very fortunate uh my wife makes way more money than i ever will um she works as a like in the fashion design world over at target um she also teaches at a college and she's way smarter than me um so yeah fortunately like with being laid off from pandemic stuff like we've been fine and this actually allowed us, uh, Suresh is in the same, my other partner is in the same boat with his wife being a, a doctor. Um, so we can actually afford to not pay ourselves for the first two years. That's how dumb we are, is that we're just throwing everything we have into this. And uh, as long as our wives keep their jobs, like <laughs> we can make this work. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's been super hard. I mean, I've had the mentality, though, like if I'm going to be busy, I might as well be busy. So, like, yeah, it's hard balancing, like having a, you know, a toddler now and being at work all the time and like still trying to maintain like family life and but I don't know like we'd we'd worked so hard and prepped so hard and like done all this research and like you know looked into tanks and looked into financing and talked to banks and looked at all these buildings for sale and it was kind of now or never like we knew we could wait till the pandemic's over but who knows how long that was going to be like I don't know we moved into such a, a tight-knit residential community as like Tim knows like I mean, the, the community's been behind us 100% of the way. Like, I would say 90% of our, our customers either walk over or bike over. Mm -hmm. um, so just the fact that we moved into this location is basically, like, the way we've been able to survive <laughs> during the pandemic. Like, we're just now starting to see, like, a slowdown, and it's mainly because it's cold out. Um, yeah. I'm, when I was there on Sunday, I, there was a consistent line at the bar to get beer. Like... I, you know, I was I was there for, I don't know, an hour, and I never saw – there was never a time where a bartender wasn't helping somebody because there was always someone ready to go. So, I mean, it was it was unseasonably warm on Sunday, so that probably helped right. too. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, we're working on keeping stuff interesting. We just started music. We've got, you know, fire pits on the patio now. It's, Minnesota winters are brutal. But, uh, no, like I think, honestly, the last place we were supposed to move in – would have been more of like a destination brewery. It would have had like five times the square footage, 110 foot tall ceilings. It would have been awesome. But just like, I don't, I don't think we would have survived this. Like we would have just lost our money immediately. We all would have lost our houses. Like, so this neighborhood, like the timing, and we actually opened because the build out was a little delayed. 
we opened under restrictions of COVID for only two weeks. And then it was lifted and it was like perfect timing. So we opened in May. So the weather was getting nice. Everyone was antsy to get out of their houses. So, I mean, it was a giant risk in doing this, but it, it's paid off really well. And again, like, I don't know. I think Minnesotans are pretty hardy and we support local pretty strong. I think just, I don't know, we're, we're getting, I don't know. Very, uh, we're fortunate for sure. We know we're lucky, but also like, I don't know. I'm a pretty big believer in if you, if you risk it, like I, I like living high risk, high reward for the most part. Um, I don't know. I, I do think I'm very dumb. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not forgetting that. It's a way to, to stay humble at the same time. Like I know I got lucky doing this. <laughs> Well, how long did it take before you guys actually hired your first employee? Because, like, when you guys first opened, it was just you guys doing everything. And every yeah. time I saw you, you looked like you had were running on a, like only a couple hours of sleep. And yeah, yeah, we uh, we had this grand dream of the three of us being able to do everything from brewing, bartending, packaging, sales, like everything. We uh, we lasted eight days. Uh, working you know 16 hour days day in day out um and then actually after seeing that first week of sales we've all just felt so relieved because we had been so conservative with projections and numbers and like okay we need to make like 900 dollars a day and that'll help us break even and you know the first day we made like 10 grand or something we're like oh all right we'll we'll be okay like (laughs) hire some staff because i want to go home (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah we're we're still pretty small we have i think 12 on our staff now and that's again everything from packaging bartenders sales tapper manager um so i actually get to go home by like four most days which is awesome um again count myself pretty fortunate that i'm able to do that only six months into owning a business but yeah and that's we have staff that's also like very industry based we have a lot of people that were two former taproom managers just working as bartenders um but we have a lot of local people um two of our tenders worked at tilia which is a nice restaurant like just down the road and they were there for 10 years so they know the community they know the neighbors that come in like and that's kind of helped build us up and have a good rapport with just the locals that already live there but yeah it was a crazy dream to think we could do it all ourselves i'm very glad that we're not still doing that <laughs> <laughs> I will say the tips were pretty incredible just working like that first week, just the three of us, but not worth not getting to sleep and not getting to see my family. So, again, I mean, I, I will say we'll, we'll give Tim some credit here. Like, Tim did show up a lot and like helped us out with the build out. And like, besides Tim, we had a bunch of other industry friends just show up and like do whatever we needed. We'd feel willing to volunteer and jump in as bartenders if we were just crazy busy on a Saturday. Like, uh, we definitely took advantage of friends and people that were dumb enough to hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you when you see, you know, your friends, when you know what kind of the effort it takes to to go through something like that, and and uh, you know, you see you guys trying to do all of that stuff because you know when I would come in and it's like, okay, you have this much to do before you guys open. There's a lot to do, um, and I I. I can tell you personally what kind of the toll being in the brewing industry can have on your personal life if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, you know, plus I think some, I think everyone was just kind of antsy to kind of do things. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's funny because as, as we go through this and he's talked about 
all the all the things that he's talked about so far, the location and all that. It's that conversation with with Adam has really made me focus in on the things that he's been saying and that local community and you know the things that they did wrong all sound like the things that you guys have done right tim i mean if you think back to that conversation would you would you say that seems pretty accurate oh yeah absolutely you know i mean when when adam and todd and 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 talk you know started off the first location they were in wasn't big enough the second location too industrial not really plugged in not really yeah there's you don't get foot and bicycle traffic and 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 the the brewery that took over their space is is doing well but they went in with a different mindset and they they were well aware that they weren't going to get foot and, and bicycle traffic and i think uh particularly in in some of these neighborhoods it's really important to be able to have that cuz like Josh you guys don't have parking <laughs> right right um but I almost never see anyone drive there in the first place. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I drove there. <laughs> you did. You, you you drove me home, even though it's it's five blocks. <laughs> That's right. We did. <laughs> it was probably really hot out that day, or something. <laughs> yeah. Take that over what we got now. Good lord. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, uh, well, it's it. You're right. I mean, there's no parking, but like. It's, it sits on a corner, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a, I don't know, the one street is reasonably busy. I don't know, you know, so get people to go by. But, yeah, there is no parking lot anywhere close, but it didn't seem to matter. I mean, the patio was jammed when we were there um, with people and dogs, which was nice. So, but, yeah, it was, it's just an interesting location because it's different um the way i mean like next door is a house you know yeah you like somebody lives next door and and all sides basically it's housing and it's there's not other businesses there it's just an interesting location it's it's kind of neat because they're on a street that has kind of businesses like on that entire you know what three blocks over four blocks over uh, and then there's a, a kind of a little business district, you know, a quarter of a mile in the other direction, but it doesn't overwhelm. And so it is this nice kind of mix of residential and, and business. So they're close enough that the neighborhood is used to business, tra- you know, foot traffic and all of that. But, you know, not so jam-packed in the middle of something where they're dealing with like 17 other competitors around them either. Is that is, yeah. was that kind of the plan? Is I think you kind of spoke to it earlier that there was really nothing in the area, so maybe that was something the community was like just so happy to finally have something there, and then the fact that maybe the craft brewing industry is blowing up as much as it is right now kind of helped. It was maybe the perfect storm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we get that comment still even now. Like I probably hear that ten times a week from people like I, I've been waiting for years for this. I can't believe no one's done this before, and like we kind of hadn't, we couldn't believe it either. Like the spot it was before was pretty run down. Like the patio was just this overgrown gravel bush, nasty area. But like we saw the potential right away and just we wanted to be in South specifically because it was largely untapped. Um, 
I mean, there's other reasons too. Like I live close by, which is nice, but um, we specifically were shooting south side of Minneapolis, but then that neighborhood just like, because it was zoned commercial, it was perfect. Like we didn't have to fight with zoning or anything. And there's just so much potential for that, that neighborhood. Like we did a bunch of canvassing and stuff and it's a lot of like young families in there now. There's still a lot of old families that have been there for years because there's a ton of like inherited wealth in that neighborhood. Um, but there's a ton of young families that just want a place to hang out. Like Tim said, there's that park a couple blocks away, but like everything else that's like a sit down place is like a super nice restaurant, essentially. Like there's some good food places over there, mm-hmm. but you know, you get in, you eat, you leave. And like, they maybe have a decent beer menu, but it's not a place you can bring your dogs. It's not a place you can bring your kids and hang out for a couple hours. Like there's not really places doing local music in the area. Like it worked really well for what we were trying to be, especially with it being like that corner spot. Um, we always wanted it to be a, like, we're not trying to be surly. We're not trying to have this gigantic Disneyland tap room. Um, we got super inspired, like in visiting Denver and other cities that just have so many breweries, um, that most of them are just like little hole in the wall places. Like I think of mockery in Denver. Oh, I love like, mockery. Yeah. They're great. And they're doing really weird stuff with beers. Like they're also just nailing classic stuff. I think of like true brewing where like true does some bigger distribution, but it's a, it's a tiny place, like, and they pack people in, and, like, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, like, that was kind of the vibe we were going for, where those guys are way more industrial. We just wanted to play that into the residence area. But, yeah, there's, there's kind of nothing in that area other than us, which, again, has played in really well for us. But pretty much everywhere we were looking was kind of that vibe, save for that one gigantic building we were going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we didn't have two and a half million dollars, so we had to back out of that one. But um, no, like the second we walked in, like I think within like 10 seconds, we all were like, yep, this is the spot. Like, and it needed a ton of work. Um, there was like nothing done to that building. It's super old, so all the floors had to be reinforced. Like that landlord is getting <laughs> a nice uh, boost to his building through the work we've done to it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that, because a space that small isn't kind of without its own challenges, and you guys have had to yeah. get pretty creative with some of the things that you've done, or even pivoted mid-build-out on what you were mm-hmm. going to do, right? So talk a little bit more about, about those things. Yeah, so um, the building we're in has, I think, four four other businesses. There's two salons, a chiropractor, and a bike shop. It's not like a strip mall, but it is like a block of small businesses under the same roof. Um, So we took the two, like the corner one and the next one over. And thankfully, we got the basement space on both as well. Like, There's no way we could have done this without basement because like the one side is basically our whole cooler directly underneath our tap room. But we had to get really creative and fitting stuff in. Even like our tanks, our alley is pretty skinny. Tim's been back there brewing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like... um, but we had already ordered our tanks based off the space we thought we were getting. Um, and then like the drawings from our manufacturer didn't match our architect drawings. Like the scale was off. So we ended up having to like the day we were bringing in like our hot and cold liquor tanks, we had to switch their locations and like turn them different ways. And like, they're not coming out of the building at this point. If we ever expand, like, <laughs> we have to cut out the whole front wall or something. Um, but yeah, we shoehorned a lot of stuff into a small space and like, 
I mean, it is frustrating that like we probably don't have a whole lot of room to expand in a traditional sense. Like bigger tanks aren't an option. We could always expand to like two, you know, smaller tanks that we could split batches into or something. But that's down the road. But yeah, the building itself. Uh, I don't know how old it is exactly. I know we found insulation that was over a hundred years old, like old newspapers in the walls and stuff. Um, but all the floors had to be reinforced. Like it's, it's a jungle. We call it like a Sherwood forest in the basement because there's so much wood supporting all the tanks. <laughs> um, I mean, even we just built out a second cooler or a, a cold storage room. <laughs> a cold, yes, a cold room. That's not a cooler. Right. And even that, like in order to do that, we had to like, you know, move some stuff by our boiler. We had to shift all our grain to a different part and pack that into the basement somewhere else before we could build this. And like, it's constantly, uh, it's it's not a headache. We don't really know. Like, it's kind of fun. It's like a puzzle trying to fit stuff in. I'm sure down the road, it'll be really annoying to have to keep doing this stuff. But even like when we get, we don't have space for like pallets of grain to come in. So we literally have to just buy, I pretty much am ordering like two weeks of grain at a time comes to the back door, I take each bag, carry it downstairs, you know, unload it. And every brew day, I have to bring it back upstairs, like huge pain in the ass to do stuff like that. If we're doing barrel aging in the future, like that's going to have to be downstairs. And, you know, I, even when we started, we, uh, I was kegging everything right off the tanks and carrying each keg downstairs. After like three batches, I was like, fuck this. We're hard piping through the floor. Like this is stupid. <laughs> I remember when you got that, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" I because when when you first told me that you guys were were going to keg a, upstairs and take it down, I'm like, "I, you're gonna break your back." Yeah, well, break our back, and we also we have two staircases, and they're both shared with the next clients. So like, we are ruining their staircases because they're all getting wet every day, and like, you know, we have massages <laughs> next door, and they hear us thumping down the stairs with these kegs, and like. So, we're, I mean, we're still figuring the space out, though. Like, last night, we, uh, again, had, like, a, a music thing going on. And because it was, like, snowy and kind of crappy outside, everyone was inside. And with, like, musician taking up one corner, there was, like, no room to move. So you kind of got your beer, and everyone just stood in front of our POS. And, like, so we still have to figure out that, like, how we're going to rearrange and make that work. And, like, it's definitely going to be a learning experience probably for the next at least six months because we haven't lived through a winter yet when doing this and, but I don't know. It hasn't been like frustrating to the point that I regret it by any means. It's just like a new challenge all the time. Um, but thankfully, uh, Tim mentioned, uh, briefly, like my partner, Suresh is able to do pretty much anything that needs to be done in any realm of life, whether it's welding or like fabricating something or designing or whatever, keeping the business alive. Um, so Suresh has been awesome and being like, oh, like, let's just do this. What if we removed this thing? And like, what if we cut a hole in the wall and put this in there? And like, it'd be fine. Like, Department of Ag doesn't know about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like he's he's equal parts fearless and naive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, well, because <laughs> like he knows he can execute what is in his brain. And so he's brilliant in that way. And he doesn't care if it's a skill he doesn't have. He's going to acquire that skill. And... You know, he he doesn't let what he doesn't know scare him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a large part of why, like, Suresh came on board. Like, uh, I think Suresh started two or three businesses before this. 
Uh, when he was a 1099 independent contractor for years doing sales and stuff. So knew that world, but really only had like homebrewed a little, like didn't know that much about beer, but just has that personality where like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to be the best at it. Like, and they pretty much are a jack of all trades. We're like super beneficial to us to the point where like, I don't know, Suresh spent ridiculous amounts of money on homebrew stuff. We're like, dude, just use what we have. Stop buying more stuff. But they're like, no, like I have to, there's this new thing. Like I want to do that this way. I want to understand this. And like, it's, it's infectious for sure. It makes me like want to be better at what I do. Because if Suresh comes back and asks me a question, like, well, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is just the way like but it makes me be like oh i should figure this out like if this person who doesn't know about this is ready to figure this out and dive deeper into it like i should have that responsibility too like i should i don't not just do things the way they're done i should actually understand what i'm doing and just kind of champion every project we do and that kind of that goes into our beer that goes into our attitude that goes into what we do with our money like i don't know we're we're equally I mean, we have this huge benefit in that Minnesota had almost 200 breweries before we opened. But we've also seen this wave of like the first kind of closures happening in Minnesota breweries. And you had Harriet, you had 12 Eyes, like Northgate. Like in the last two, three years, we've had a dozen or so breweries close. And like we've got to talk to Tuck and Adam and talk to people that have gone through this hard stuff and like talk to the breweries that are doing great. Talk to Dangerous Man, talk to Ven, talk to Fair State. Like, and so, like, we, I don't know, we didn't have to go through the struggle that, like, Surly went through. We didn't have to go through the struggle that 612 Indeed Dangerous Man did. We get to benefit from everyone else being super nice <laughs> and, like, telling us exactly what they did. I remember the first time we talked to Kyle at Ben, and we just straight up said, like, hey, can we see all your year one numbers? He was like, yep. We're like, what? Like, you're actually going to show us all your <laughs> finances? And he's like, why not? I'm like, I don't know. So that's helped us a ton. Like, and we were able to, whenever we run into a problem with spacing or like just trying to figure out how to make stuff work, there's always people that are willing to help us. And like, again, you got guys like Tim that has a wealth of knowledge and has worked several places. And like, I don't know. It's, it's great to have like an industry that's super supportive and they want to see us succeed. Like, I think we have to be one of the smallest breweries in Minnesota as far as like square footage. And like, I kind of think that's going to be the trend. There's more and more breweries open up making, like, no one's really making a ton of bad beer anymore. Like, I mean, there's some places that aren't my favorite, but, like, I think because of that, everyone's going to stay more and more local. Like, no one has to drive to Northeast anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost half an hour drive for me just because the freeways suck and traffic is terrible. Like, I don't have to go to Dangerous Man. I don't have to go to Fair State. Their beer is great, but I also have a brewery 16 blocks from my house I can walk to, or, like, a 10-minute drive gets me to another 10 or 12 breweries and i just think uh the smaller breweries less distribution is kind of the wave that's going to hit minnesota in the next few years so it's kind of fun to be on what i think is the forefront of like the next wave of breweries just doing things a little bit differently i could be totally wrong <laughs> that's not we're going to be doing we're going to be doing a ton of distribution this winter just to stay alive but i mean as soon as spring comes and people start coming back outside we plan on scaling back and still being that small taproom only but I don't know this is all just like what we're planning to do again. We're six months into this, like the world could blow up tomorrow and who knows what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> well, I can't think of any time in recent memory where the world completely changed in the blink of an eye and threw everything up 
indicate us. Um, you know, except for all of 2020. Um, <laughs> what was 2020? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, but like, I, I agree. Hyper local has been kind of that thing that I've been saying is it's not anymore about, uh, you know, what brewery, like, so JT is actually up in, in Minneapolis right now. And he asked me what breweries they hit up. And I'm like, I'm going to give you like neighborhoods that are close to you and tell you just those. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you, I, go visit, you know, I could tell you, Hey, drive down to wild mind. And then, Hey, drive over to certainly or Hey, whatever. I'm like, but that's too much. Like just pick a pocket in a neighborhood and yep. you can go hit up three or four different places. And, and, sure. um, you know, there's plenty of times to come up and, and, and do that trip again. Um, you know, I, that I, I suppose that is the one thing, uh, you know, for like when Aaron was up, we hit up steel toe and then came down to wooden ship because they are things that are still reasonably close. It kind of helps to have that balance for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that hyper local. And again, for you guys just being such a part of, of the community. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, young families, but you also have a fair amount of, you know, retired folks that have been very excited yeah i mean <laughs> the house directly behind us is, is todd haug's former house which is kind of cool in general um but the people that live there now have to be in their 70s or 80s and like they're in there all the time and it's awesome like they bring in their <laughs> little, like their crew of like old friends and they play cribbage and like yes they only have like one beer each but like it's awesome seeing like a diverse age group still coming in and wanting to try stuff and like be a part of what we're doing and also having France 44, one of the best liquor stores in the cities, is six blocks away. And like well before we were open, they were pushing hard to carry our stuff. So we were distributing crawlers to them um, for about a month before we opened. And because so many people come from all over the cities to go to that, that shop, um, that was a huge boost for us. And that neighborhood has become like more versed in beer because that um, liquor store has such good products. So that definitely helped like pave the way where I was a little nervous, like, of what I thought I might have to make (laughs) in the first year. Like, I don't know how long it would take to, like, influence the neighborhood beer drinkers towards more craft stuff. Like, I love making, like, Pilsner's Kolsch's. That's great. Like, I can make that stuff all day. But I like making weird stuff, too. And, like, thankfully, I've been able to do that pretty quickly. You had no idea you'd make as many (laughs) Saisons. Definitely not. (laughs) It seemed like there were... A lot of those when I was there on tap. Yeah. On we board, finally so. just cleared the board of them. Um, yeah, it took forever. At one point, I think we had six of our 12 beers were Saison's. Oh. Like, that was, it was not intentional. Um, I knew I wanted to make a few because I think not a whole lot of places are making them. And the places that do, I don't view them as like super good Saison's. There's one local one that's been heavily distributed up here. I won't name names, but like I think it's one of the more mild saisons out there. Like it's a nice gateway to saisons, but like it's very approachable. But it's not yeah. it's not exemplary for the style. I would agree. Right. And so like I really like that style. I really like that it is flexible and seasonal, and like you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Um, and then we pushed really hard to do a lot of collaborations right away. And because we were doing saisons, and no one else wanted to mess with diastaticus or anything like that. Every time people are planning it as they uh, a collab with us, like, well, let's do a saison. We're like, all right. So we ended up just, <laughs> that's what we did. Like every single collab, 
which is fine. Like I like making them, but after a while, like th- that's when we started to see like a dip in like tap room, like just moving through beers. So people were like, I'm I'm sick of drinking saisons. Like make something <laughs> else. And so I'm I'm not making another one until spring. Like <laughs> much as I like them, I think of our first like 40 brews, I think 11 of them were saisons, and I was like, this has to stop. Like this is more than 25. <laughs> percent I think now we've brewed like 70 times now, and I think only like 14 have been saisons. So the number is coming down a little bit, but. I, I will tell you, there was someone I was talking to about you guys, and they said, oh, that's that Saison Brewery. And and I, <laughs> and I laughed because you and I just had talked about that. And I was like, well, no, they're doing a lot. They're not They're not trying to be a Saison Brewery. It's just I mean, sort of working out that be, way. I wouldn't be mad about it if that's what we became, as long as people still want to keep coming and trying stuff. Um, but I mean, like, I, one of the liquor stores, Ambibulous, is called this, like, they call us the lords of farmhouse and like i don't know some they gave us some other nickname too and like i i guess i think uh, a brewery came up from sioux falls was in town and they specifically came to our brewery to bring us their saisons like oh we heard you make good saisons we want you to try ours and i was like <laughs> i mean that's cool but like you're in south dakota and you know that we make saisons like <laughs> i never want i never intended that to happen <laughs> but i don't know we're fine with it. We're still learning like what the community wants, what our neighborhood wants to drink. It's been awesome knowing that like, I mean, our Pilsner is our number two selling beer. Like our you know, hazy IPAs is number one, which I wish I had never had to make one again in my life, but that easily pays most of our bills. But I'm pumped that like people want to drink Pilsners and Kolsch's and Vienna lagers. And like, that's been awesome to like get to play that more traditional game as well. Cause I think it helps show, a little bit more of what we can do and that like i think we pump out pretty clean good lagers and at the same time are doing weird root vegetable beers and like are throwing brett into stuff and we're not afraid to like dirty up our brew house and like still make clean beer at the same time and i don't know our goal is just to be as widespread as possible right now and we haven't really repeated a whole lot of beers the plan is as we get closer to year one especially since i'm gonna start running out of ideas for new beers <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start bringing back stuff more frequently just whatever has been popular but the plan is still to have you know never more than like a third of our board as a flagship and the rest just to be rotating seasonal as odd as you can think of you know lots of smoke stuff lots of savory herbaceous i don't know trying to find different i mean like i said we just did a root vegetable beer where we swapped out grains for golden beets turnips parsnips rutabaga like it, it it's awesome i don't know have you had the one yet tim i haven't had it yet i okay. I, I should i'm should curious to hear your it. thoughts but okay just stuff like that's super fun like we're doing a mushroom beer coming up we're gonna you know we did a, a sour collab with unmapped where it's super bright, bold lemon flavors, and we didn't use fruit at all. It was all herbs, so like lemon balm, lemon verbena, sour leaf, like just trying to find different sources of fruitiness, trying to find different sources where we don't need to use hops. And we're like, oh, hey, we're throwing dandelion greens or like, you know, whatever I can find um, that can add a bittering element that's slowly changing perception of like, oh, this is a good beer. Oh, you threw that in there? Like, oh, I, I had no idea. And that keeps like, the fun in it for me like i'll do this forever hopefully until my body gives out and 
I move to the country and just run the business from afar. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it has to be like something fun in order to keep me invested in it. Like that's what was like so fun about being a cook is that there's, you know, constant seasonal change, getting new produce in. And that's basically the same approach I have to brewing of like, especially when we had that, there's a huge, you know, shortage of grain. Like we couldn't get any wire and stuff. All the shipping stuff was bogged down by strikes and all this. And like, we had to get creative. Like, you know, I had stuff on the books. I was planning on making this certain beer. And so we started going to Restaurant Depot. We started working with Bix Produce. We started going to the farmer's markets, working with like local farmers and being like, what do you have that would bring out this flavor? And like, that's been super fun. And thankfully, like we've had a pretty good reception to that stuff. Um, we've marketed it, I think, pretty subtly. Like we're not advertising on the board. Like this is a root vegetable soup beer. Like, cause no one wants to drink that. Mm-hmm you know, we're calling it a session honey brown ale and like people will drink that. And after they drink it, we say like, Oh, did you like that? Like, guess what? This is made with this. Like, um, I don't know. I don't think we're doing anything. No one's ever done. Like, I know that I'm not the first to do this stuff, but in Minneapolis, there's not a whole lot of people getting as odd as I plan on getting. (laughs) Well, so, So like literally someone the other day just asked me, uh if i knew anyone making uh a beer without hops Mm -hmm. and i said i I didn't realize you guys had done that and i said i don't really know of anyone i know people who have done like a groot in the past or like a couple of those but i'm like i really couldn't tell you right now of of anyone who's doing a zero hop beer so yeah we've done a couple most of them like i'm still experiencing because we don't pilot batch anything we're just trying stuff and seeing if it works Um, (laughs) yeah every batch is a pilot batch (laughs) yeah i mean we're a small seven barrel system so whatever we're not committed to a huge pile of kegs anyway um no we've only done a couple no hops but we've definitely done a bunch of like slight hop additions and pushing like i mean that collab we do with uh uh with tin whiskers with mike Mm -hmm. like i dumped 10 pounds of arugula into the boil as a bittering element we also had pickled hops in that so like (laughs) there was still some bitterness from that but actually most of it came from the arugula Mm. so like there was still hot matter but it was a total different vibe than a normal like hot matter goes in so we're still figuring out like how to actually consistently i don't know because the ratios aren't the same like if you tell me and we're making this beer. I, it's pretty easy for me to figure out how much hop I want, you know, to get whatever IBUs, whatever system you want to use for bitterness. But when it comes to like, we're going to use radicchio to add bitterness to this beer. Like, how much radicchio do you add to it? Like, yeah, yeah. How did you figure that out? I I wouldn't have it's any clue. Of, we're just getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like with the arugula, I went to Restaurant Depot and they sold arugula in like six pound containers so i think i bought two of them so it was like 12 pounds and i was like yeah. one doesn't seem like it's enough we'll do two like i don't know <laughs> yeah, we're getting lucky it's gonna come back to bite me in the ass one of these times like we've only dumped one beer so far and it's because the tank got infected it had nothing to do with like bad beer mm-hmm. just oh. something happened so we're not gonna serve that so we dumped it right away and just remade it and it is fine but I know at some point we're going to make beer that's just shit and an idea won't work out. And like, I don't know, that's still worth it to me to keep pushing the envelope. Um, And I I don't know. I think it's fun to like see other people like 
that we're trying to collab with and stuff kind of take on that vibe too of like, oh, these guys are doing really weird stuff. Like we should do something really weird, not just make, you know, a Pilsner as a collab or something. Let's let's push the envelope. And we're very willing to take the blame of like if this beer sucks, just say it was Wooden Ship's idea. Like <laughs> we'll be the fall guys for it if it's a bad beer. Wait, what that beer did you we made a beer with Ven that was bright purple. Like just I don't know, getting odd. I don't know. There's something fun about it. People take beer really seriously. Like at the end of the day, it's beer. Like we want to make good beer. We want to make, again, even with like going back to what I said about community and like, if you don't have community, it's, it's not worth it. We still want to be successful. We still want to make a ton of money. We still want to be, I'm not saying I'm going to be the best brewery in Minneapolis by any means, but like, of course that's a goal you shoot for. You want to have your beer be the best, but at the same time, like I want beer to always be fun. Like thinking about having my kid, like if my kid wants to work at the brewery, like dumping out grain when he's 12. Great. I'll hire you to do like busy work. But like, I want to pass down that spirit of like, you can make something and still adjust it to be whatever you want to be. Um, I know I could never shift brew again. Like that mm-hmm. just kills me to make the same beer over and over and over again. So I don't know. Again, thankfully, we're in a community that so far has allowed us to be weird and is, for the most part, pretty excited about it. Like it's, we just had, you know, a keg account reach out to us. And so far, they bought really normal beers from us. And they like specifically were like, we heard you made a vegetable beer. We need two kegs. Can you give us two kegs of that? Like, awesome. Like, I'm super glad you're trying weird stuff. Like, so yeah, if people uh, know us as the weird place that doesn't use hops or, is the Saison capital of the Midwest, like whatever it is, <laughs> that's fine. We'll take it. But I, I never want people to think of, like that they can hold us to a box. Like, cause that also like pisses me off. As soon as someone tells us like, Oh, you have to always have Saison. Then that's when I'm like, fuck you. We're never making a Saison again. <laughs> I never want to be like told that we do this. Well, I mean, like that's the beauty of not having flagships yet. I think of, I'll, I'll use dangerous man. Cause we're friends with those guys. Like peanut butter porter. They've made that from day one. So it's been eight, nine years of them making that. It's like, I think like 25% of their sales. You know, they have like 20 taps in this one beer is 25% of their sales. Like I never want to be known as like, they're the peanut butter porter people. Yeah. Like it's... I want to be known as like, go to that brewery. Cause they're always doing something weird. Like that's how I judge my tap list is every week or so I'll go in there and just look at the tap list and be like, if I was coming in here for the first time, like, would I be excited to be here? Because, like, if I'm not excited to, like, see what we have on tap, then, like, why would I expect anyone else to want to drink our beer either? But, well, I want to drink your beer. So we should probably get, probably get to that part of the show. <laughs> sure. Um, so let's, uh, you know, take a, a break here uh, while we get fired up for that part. But I do want to remind everybody to check out all of the other podcasts at the Tailgate Society old man strength look at that tim i put you first this time uh never do it again sports and corks and culture check and all of the other great uh podcasts that that come out of there and there's a lot of good writing too so check that out tailgatesociety.com you can find us at our website um as well as linked to the tailgatesociety.com but you can find us at bitterunits.com send us an email tell us what you want to hear about we'll do our best I think so far we've gotten one email from an actual listener. 
and that was my brother, so it doesn't okay. count. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but we'll be right back um, with a beer that we'll talk about when we come back. So listen to this word from, I guess, the AHA, probably? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. And we're back. So we got a beer to drink, but I'm going to open, I think, with um, the question. I think we're just going to jump right into that before we get into the beer, too. Oh, do it. Um, so we ask everybody this question, Josh, uh, that comes on the pod. Um, and, and it's really a simple question. Your wooden ship has struck ground and you are stranded on a desert island. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so give us three to five beers. They don't have to be yours. Ooh. They can be, they can be, you know, we've accepted, uh, whatever the hell those things that are awful are called that everybody's drinking right now. Seltzers, um, <laughs> you know, so just three to five three beers, to five. drinks that you, that you gotta have with you. I don't think I've ever had that much freedom. Usually it's the, you know, the one beer. Um, three to five. All right. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for pills. So Fair State Pills is a great local. And I, you know, I'm gonna go pills, Pilsner or Kell, actually, the original pills. I can drink that pretty much all day every day. Um, you probably should have some banquet. You know, just Coors. It can be swapped out for hams either. That's fine too. Oh, hams. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Tim knows how much hams went into the building. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one time when they were building, and, and I knocked on the door, and I had a rack of hams in my hand. They're like, okay, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, three to five. That's We'll go a little bit odder. Uh, St. Bernardus. Christmas ale. I'm a sucker for Abbey ales. That's been tradition for me for the last like ten years. Every Christmas, I crack a bomber of that. And I usually that is... start cellaring them about a year before. Like it's a, just a good Belgian quad. Like I probably wouldn't want to drink that every day, but like I almost always have that in my cellar. That's a great choice. That's one we haven't heard yet. I, we've heard Pilsner Raquel. We've heard Banquet. Uh, we have not heard the St. Bernardus yeah. Christmas, yeah, and that a is a one. that is a great choice. I kind of sad I left that off my list. <laughs> I mean, you can come to the island too. Yeah, it's fine. I'll show. You. <laughs> no, I mean, I I tend to move through like seasonality with what beers like. Like, I hate hazy IPAs so much. Mm -hmm. I, I still make them because they sell, but I'm well over that trend. I think Pilsners are the only beers I've never gotten sick of. Um, I don't know. It'd be hard for me to pick one I would want to drink the rest of my life if it wasn't just like a light lager. 
maybe even our beers like i think we make okay beers but would i want to drink the same one the rest of my life <laughs> not at all <laughs> we'll, we'll throw we'll throw one too but i could drink loyalist i could drink loyalist a lot oh thank you it's a good beer that's pretty much that go to whenever i go down there so um yeah it, it pretty much would just be light beers a couple domestics couple locals that's fair there's nothing wrong with that. So, speaking of locals, you're the localiest local about this beer. So, so uh, tell us what you what you brought us. Well, this one's a little bit uh, more interesting for you guys, hopefully, because Tim had a big part in this. Uh, I knew story it was basically went... weird for a reason. <laughs> Tim was involved. Um. I mean, this beer is no longer on tap. I think you guys literally have the last crawlers that were available. Um, so the flavor has changed quite a bit. But uh, it basically started, this was probably early summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow the conversation came up where I think I asked Tim, what's a beer you never got to make that you really wanted to on like a commercial scale? And Tim took some time. Uh, I actually totally forgot about it, to be honest, about that conversation. <laughs> and then just one day I get a text from Tim that's like, Red Rye, Brett Saison. I was like, what? I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. But again, people who want to like do stuff, oh, let's make a Saison that wouldn't ship. All right. <laughs> but uh, no, we hadn't done anything with Brett yet. Um, we hadn't really, we'd done some rye beers, but hadn't messed with anything really in that like amber red scale of beers. So I was totally down. And also we Tim's been a good support and friend for us. So we, I was pumped to get him back in the brew house. Um, so this is actually Tim's recipe. I tweaked it a little bit just to like adjust numbers for our system. But Tim could probably actually tell you better about like how the recipe development came about. Because you did you homebrew this at one point? Yeah, this actually came out from um, uh, a friend and I did a um the first time we did like this happened it was that we decided to do a blind collab so i designed a malt bill and i gave him uh estimated starting gravity and srm and that's it and so then he and from there he then picked out i didn't tell him anything else he picked out hops and yeast Right. And so he went, you know, not knowing a whole lot else. That's kind of why he went kind of, you know, fairly noble on hops and whatever. And then uh, wanted to get crazy with yeast. And so that's where the the Saison and the Brett came in. And so we 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 did it once and we really we really liked it. And then I kind of tweaked it a little bit more and tried it again. And I thought, man, I actually really could could drink this beer. Uh, I would love to do it, but it's just esoteric enough that, you know, in a place like Shakopee, you know, I mean, you, you, you talk about Linden Hills and, and not knowing what people drink, but you know, you got a lot of young people and they're a little bit more adventurous and they're more adventurous drink, you know, eaters and, and, uh, you know, willing to try a little bit more things. Shakopee is maybe a little bit less so. So I don't know that I could have ever made that beer fly down there. Sure. Um, Right. So it was one that I've always kind of wanted to do, but didn't get a chance. And uh, when I saw what you were willing to do, I'm like, well, shit, this is the time. <laughs> it keeps coming back to that. I'm really dumb thing. So <laughs> if you pitch any idea. I mean, we'll probably do it. 
no, like, this was it was fun. Uh, we used a a yeast that was a blend of Brett and a saison yeast. I think in hindsight, I wish we would have just done a co-pitch because like the Brett has died off quite a bit. Yeah, like when it was, when it was fermenting, the Brett was super forward and like just that beautiful Brett's like aroma. Like I mean, now again, this crowler's almost a month old, and it's, it was the last keg, so the flavor's fallen out a little bit. But I wish we had pushed the bread a little bit harder. Yeah. But again, like this was my first time commercially using bread, so I was like, like a little hesitant. Not like hesitant, like I was scared to do it. I just knew it was gonna be a lot more work to clean equipment and like take care of everything. Um, I think it worked out fairly well for our tap room. Like it sold well. It was a nice fill in in kind of that like amber red range. Uh, I mean, the color on it's super nice. It's got a nice malt forward um, flavor to it. But the Brett is at least present enough to be different than anything else we had, especially with the rest of our Saisons. We had a lot of herb Saison, fruited Saisons. So this was like a nice different direction. Um, I mean, through melanoid and malt in here, like. I hadn't even heard of melanoid malt in the last like five years. And I was like, this is awesome. I didn't even know people still like manufactured this. <laughs> um, I mean, I still have half a bag of Kara Red that I have no idea what I'm going to do with. <laughs> but no, it was really fun. Like, I mean, it was, it was fun to have you back there brewing with us. And we chatted a bunch of uh, new breweries coming out and had some fun uh, reminiscing about old brews and stuff. But yeah, I really enjoyed doing this. It's something I want to push harder in the future is doing like malts I haven't used a whole lot of and also exploring a little bit more of like quote unquote wilder side of yeast strains. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have been drinking it. Dive in if you haven't yet. But oh, well, I have a little bit, but I have a question. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we've done a Brett tim on the pod at all i'd so, have to think back if we have i don't think we have i don't think we have and so explain at least in layman's terms a little bit what that means because we've done saison right we mm-hmm. didn't say son for tupont and and whatnot so what exactly does brett provide um i mean to break it down to like simple lay terms brett is like a nice way of getting more of that like wild funk in a beer without fully being a wild we're not open air fermenting we're not having all this crazy bacteria coming in we don't have cool ships or anything like that but it's it's not a saccharomyces strain where like that's way more controlled and clean fermenting um brett can infect everything which is why everyone's terrified of it which honestly if you're cleaning your equipment well if your water's hot enough if you run a long enough caustic cycle there's no reason to be afraid of it, um, which we pride ourselves on cleaning our equipment really well anyway. So it wasn't an issue for us, but I get it. People are scared of it. It's fine. You got to be smart, especially if you're like a production facility. Like if we were pumping out production beers, I think I would have been way more hesitant to <laughs> just go for it willy nilly without ever having like tried much of it. Um, yeah, I mean, oftentimes Brett is used in like sour beers or like barrel fermented especially barrel fermented sours that just brings out that i'm really bad at describing like the flavor of brett other than it is kind of like a tart funk uh 
Uh, I've always been bad. I, this I, this is a struggle I had with my bartenders as well, like trying to describe to them what what that smell was translating to, like what that they were, that nose they were picking up on. Because they were like, what, what is this? What is this? Is this a sour? It's not a sour. Um, but basically, yeah, it's just it's another form of yeast. Where okay. yeah, w- w- one that one adjective that came out a lot to describe it was horse blanket. Uh, that came out a ton, and I was always like, but how many people know what the hell a horse blanket smells like? Yeah. Uh, right? I, I kind of and then, like that wet wet hay. Yeah. Old, old kind of mold, mildew. But, like, I mean that in the best way, like, like yeah. as positive terms, like, which is weird for a lot of people <laughs> to wrap their head around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so well, let's get into the tasting part here, Tim. You wanna you wanna lead us? Yeah. So uh, you guys have that board. I see. Go mm-hmm. ahead and uh, tell me what you're getting out of that appearance. Like we always say, you drink with your eyes first. So what do you what do you see in there? Go ahead, JT. It's <clears throat> you can't see through it. Uh, it's a cloudy red, orangish red. It's a very beautiful in color. I like this a lot. Um, if you had to just look at it and say that probably is going to drink fruity. Uh, but yeah, there's a de- I poured a little bit of go, but there's still a decent head retention on it. Uh, it's definitely coating the outside of glass, which is something I always kind of like. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's still a decent head, and I can still see some bubbles going through there. So it's effervescent as well. But as we say many times on here, it looks like beer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, have much to disagree there. Um, I guess cloudy could be considered accurate. Like, I can't, you know, I don't know that I'd call it cloudy, but you can't, you're right, you can't see through it. Like, I can't really see my finger on the backside of the glass. Um, But I don't know if I'd term it cloudy. I don't know if there's anything, maybe... Less cloudy than cloudy. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> foggy. Um, yeah, maybe foggy, misty. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I got a nice head when I poured it. Um, still hanging out a little bit. Um, it is a nice reddish, ambery type color. Um, but yeah, looks good. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know cloudy there's definitely a lot of this this is a fairly protein rich beer right so it's not going to be something that's going to just drop out super crystal clear and that's not what the style as this beer is designed uh is certainly meant to be it was meant to be kind of fairly protein rich um but I, yeah i i i really wanted this to to have that that kind of red color and stand out a little bit different um yeah, I'll shut up. Let's go ahead and get aroma. I can actually smell this one. Hey, JT. <laughs> I saw the look on his face. He looks super surprised. Like a cat, <laughs> like a cat that just got sh- scared by a cucumber. There you go. I need to try that at my house one of these days. But no, I definitely smell that. I'm glad you said it earlier because it definitely has a funky smell to it. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Um, but it definitely, I don't know, like, I, it definitely smells like a Saison to me, which is awesome, because it is one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. 
Sorry. But yeah, um, like I definitely get some fruitiness. Like a it, it's definitely some fruitiness to this. Maybe a little bit of banana, but I could be wrong. But yeah, it's very pleasant. But you said it smells like a horse blanket, and I can definitely see what you mean by that. I get I get the saison smell. I I don't get banana, but a f- sweet. I want to say not the right word, but yeah. I want to say cherry. Sure. Smell a little bit. Um. But yeah, definitely that farmhousey, funky saison smell that you would expect. Um. But a little bit of that. Yeah, I think I think cherry or something along that line, right? That little bit of sweetness and, um, you know, some kind of pitted fruit of of that nature, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it smells it smells quite lovely. Josh, you have any thoughts? Anything you want to add? <laughs> I mean, that's always where I've fallen. Is the cherry notes ring out pretty strong for me? Um, I think actually the fruitiness has popped out way stronger as it's as the beer is aged so that that breadiness has fallen off kind of that like malt forward smell has fallen off for me i definitely get way more of the grassy tones to it and also like pretty strong i would say red fruit because like it's not always cherry but kind of in that range of berry yeah stone fruit like but yeah i definitely I'm not getting as much hay on this one or, or horse blanket, but again, this prowler's a little old at this point, so. Man, I, I picked out the right fruit. That might be a first for the right. <laughs> I usually, that's the part I usually can't get until somebody says it. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, now that you say that, but I, I'm pretty good at the horse blanket smell, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... Like, like Josh said, it's it's fallen out quite a bit, and I think even when when this beer first released, it probably wasn't as as bready as either of us were hoping. Uh, you know, and it could it could be that blend that you know. I'd even said to Josh, like it it would be fun if you guys had the space to do it to put some of that into a barrel and then do a secondary pitch in that barrel just to kind of push that envelope a little bit more. Uh, but it, I mean, it's it's definitely there. It's not like it's it's missing. Uh, it's just more uh, delicate than I think uh, we had intended. But uh, I'm glad that it's that you can still smell it. I'm glad JT that you can still smell saison and horse blanket, especially since you can't smell anything ever. Yep. Um, <laughs> so uh, cool. Let's do uh, taste, smell, feel, finish. Definitely get that. Like you had mentioned earlier, kind of wet hay uh, stuff when I drink it. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, stuff flavor. That's the word I guess I should have probably looked for. Uh, when you drink it, um, it is dry. I suppose that comes from the rye. Um, you know, it's uh, a nice dry saison flavor. Um Get I get more sweetness from the smell than I do from drinking it, but that could just be me. Um, I get the same. I, I can tell you that I would like to have a nice charcuterie of hard salami to eat with this, because I think that would pair yeah. really good. A peppery, like mm-hmm. a peppery hard salami, would be really good with this. I think. 
um, and some cheeses. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's good. I like it. Um, again, very saisani to me. Um, that dryness, which I like. I like the dry finish um, rather than a sweet, as I've stated before, slimy finish that some beers have glowing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I enjoy it. It's good. Sorry. <laughs> it's weird. It, when I drink this, I feel at the very front tip of my tongue and then don't really feel anything after that until I get to the dry finish. It just feels like it stays on the outside of my tongue. It's really good, though. I mean, I can smell it. Definitely smell. I can definitely taste the rye. It's definitely a saison, which usually isn't my style, but there's been enough thrown in here that I really like it. But yeah, it definitely finishes dry, but there's a little bit, definitely fruitiness to it. Maybe just a little bit of sweetness to it. Not enough that it's overpowering, but it's very pleasant, easy to drink beer. Um, not gonna say crushable. I'm not gonna piss off Aaron with this, but <laughs> but but it's it's this is a this is definitely a good session beer to me that you could just sit back and sip and enjoy and not have to worry about anything. And good call with the salami because yeah, some cheese crackers and some nice hard summer sausage or something like that would just be absolutely perfect with this. The the one thing I'm I'm missing. Um, and it may just be because it's an older crowler or, or whatever. Is I just don't get the the effervescence, the bubbliness, like I would with like a saison dupont when I when I drink it and it starts to release that in my mouth. I'm not getting that from this right now. Uh, and again, that could just be because of where we're at in its life cycle here, um, at the end of the kegs and all that. But uh, that's the one thing I think I'm missing that I would like it to have more of more of that releasing carbonation because i don't have it releasing in my glass anymore or any of that either you know uh right now but uh other than other than that you know um that's the only thing i can think of that i would you know like to see a little more out of it fix it tim it's your recipe (laughs) (laughs) you know the nice thing about this like it wasn't this wasn't by intent or by design, but this released kind of leading into fall, um, you know, as a time when people are wanting these more, you know, red hued beers and, you know, it's not, you know, it's not a Mertzen in any way, shape or form, but it does kind of, you know, especially like that melanoidin gives like this robust multi aroma and, and, uh, it definitely kind of has that fall. It's like a saison for fall type of thing going on that I thought, you know, wasn't the plan. But I think it worked out for you guys, right? Yeah, this has been great. When this was on, this one moved really well until we started, you know, Vienna Lager came on, Oktoberfest came on. Like It slowed down a little bit. But, I mean, those beers sold out in two weeks, and then this one kicked back up to finish off there. But. Uh-huh. The, I no, think this was. Nice I think this was in the tanks, wasn't it? When we were, were there, Tim. Yeah, yeah, it hadn't been released yet, so it was yeah, still so in the tank. Not. Yeah, no, it, it's it's good. I like it. Um, I would drink. Like I said, I could see sitting around playing cribbage like an old person, 
drinking this, awesome. <laughs> eating a charcuterie board, you know. Um, Seems like it'd be a good patio beer. Yeah. I saw so you uh, guys got you got a solo stove now, Josh. Like I, we got three of them. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. We had a bunch of uh, propane burners on the patio, but as it gets colder, propane sucks, and we burn through that stuff. We're spending like two hundred bucks a week on propane easily, so the solo stove's a lot easier. I just cut down two trees in my yard. So we have plenty of wood for the winter now. <laughs> well, see, like a beer like this, I think would be, would be nice on like a nice fall afternoon, sitting around yeah. a fire pit drinking. For sure. You drink this when it's when there's snow on the ground, but it's like thirty two and sunny out. <laughs> sit out there because it's not cold out, right? When you're in the yeah. sun, you could sit out there. That'd be gone, right? I could handle that. You know, Brett is like josh had mentioned it's used often in you know along with sour beers and this isn't you know a sour beer by any means and i know you're not a a sour fan a lot of times it's almost become a misconception that brett is sour Uh, like i don't remember someone there was some brewery who literally released a beer that they called brett not sour (laughs) that was the name of it because they got tired of everyone just assuming that Brett beers had to be sour beers and like no they can they can have tartness but they can they can be funky without being like astringent or puckering your mouth or any any of those types of things that you get out of sour beers that you don't like Aaron yeah no I would call this definitely tart I would give this some tartness and stuff but it's not not borderline vinegary like a lot of you know so I think of sours and I get a lot of vinegaryness out of them and that's just probably how my broken palate works, but um, I don't get any of that here. No, so. that's a, that was my fear is when I looked at this, it was going to be a really sour beer, and it's not at all, but tart's the perfect word for this. And yeah, that's definitely something that's in my palate that I enjoy is tart. Like when I was a kid, I liked the tart candies and all that, but yeah, tart's the perfect word. So who, who uh, did you actually name this? Tim or did no I yeah I did you did yeah think pretty highly <laughs> of yourself is is that supposed to be you the pharmacist well no so so I, I <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I when I made this beer as a homebrew uh I I named it after a bartender that I knew and she uh she went by the name of Frotch uh like she had business cards made up that said frotch and i'm like well we can't call the beer frotch uh so what is this and so like i tried thinking of so many puns on farm and stuff like that not that like beer has to be punny but i'm like it has to be something kind of clever unique or whatever um and so many of those things are taken too right uh it's it's impossible i mean josh named a beer after what batch number it was (laughs) 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 it gets hard to name a beer after a while well i mean it's kind of like sounds kind of like what boulevard did with tank seven right it's uh it's tank tank seven this is batch 42 (laughs) i mean you run out of ideas and like i i used to literally like put together like 
I'd use random word generators on the internet. Uh, and like, that's just as good as anything else. Should have, you should have named that 69 just nice. <laughs> Fantasy football <laughs> name generators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's the name. I, I don't know. I think there was one other one that I threw at Josh. I, I think I gave him two or three names and I let him pick which one. And that's where we landed on. So, so next year, when you make this again, coming into fall, because it obviously worked for you. Right, Tim, fix it. More, <laughs> more carbonation-y, more effervescence. I I do think it would be fun. So, Josh, I'll ask you if you could make this again. What would you change about it? Um, like I said earlier, I think a co-pitch would be better, a saison pitch and a bread strain. Especially, I do think your idea of barrel aging would be super fun. Um, I think we could actually play around with a lot of unique barrels as well not just straight bourbon barrel not just straight red wine i think doing a blend of a few different ones would be really cool mm-hmm. and then pitching some brett into those um i would actually i i think having more rye would be good it wasn't sure. as rye forward as i wanted it to be mm-hmm. and again i don't, I don't want to mess with your recipe because i never had your homebrew version i want to just kind of roll with what you had written um i really like this beer actually quite a bit this is what i drank for a month straight like this was just the go-to beer i went to um yeah i don't know i think a little heavier rye heavier bread i don't know i i mean i actually i like this beer quite a bit like this falls in like vienna lagers are some of my favorite beers to drink i can drink them literally at any point you wake me up at four in the morning i drink a vienna lager like and i think this is about as close as a saison will come to that Mm-hmm. And that malty, it's I don't know, it's it's still pretty simple. It's not a crazy grain bill. Like no, it was still mostly base malt. Like there's a few adjuncts, but it was mostly like coloring malts, adding SRM. I don't know. It's your recipe, so I wouldn't change a ton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest thing for me is just uh, I have a pet peeve of like I don't like calling a beer something that's not present. Sure, and there is Breton here for sure. But it's not as ready as I want. So that was like the biggest thing for me is that I wish it had been more Brett Ford. It also finished a little bit higher than I wanted. Mm-hmm. This was, I mean, it's a what, 4.3%. It was intended to be about 5%, and it just stalled out mm-hmm. way earlier. And again, with this hybrid strain of yeast, like I had never used it before. So I didn't know if that was just something it, it did that it just stalled out really quickly. Um, so I think making it a little bit boozier would be nice as well. Yeah. But especially if you're going into like fall where you want like more of a robust drink it on the patio, feel nice and toasty inside. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun brewing it. I drank a ton of it. Like, I don't know. It was a nice introduction for us into the world of bread. But... So in other words, you would change everything, Tim, because your recipe <laughs> is terrible. <laughs> you're terrible and you should feel ashamed. Um, I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I agree. I'm, I'm pushing the rye to rye is one of those things where sometimes I feel like people get a little heavy handed with rye. And so I always tend to be a little bit more conservative than probably I should be. Um, just because there's so many other things going on with this. You know, I didn't, I didn't want it to be muddy, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I would definitely like any and all of those changes i i do think doing this with i like the idea of like mixing like a red wine barrel and, and a, a bourbon barrel or maybe something else that would be fun 
cider barrel. <laughs> Oil barrel. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw a, a seltzer in a barrel and then we'll throw this Co- caustic barrel. I mean, if we're just going to throw out barrels, uh, all kinds of things. People uh, are making barrel aged seltzers, by the way, Josh. God, oh, really? No. Yeah, I I don't remember who I saw. Uh, like worst, well, it's not worst beer blog. They're not around anymore. It's one of those other Instagram accounts posted someone making a barrel aged seltzer. I mean, I guess if you threw it in something weird like a tequila barrel or a gin barrel, maybe. But even then, I don't know. I yeah. No, just just have like six barrels. And let people bring in bottles of booze to pour in them like you do for parties. <laughs> Just a, 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 a jungle juice uh, <laughs> seltzer? Right. Yes. Oh, man. Jungle juicy seltzer. Uh, uh, or, sounds... or, you know, can you get a watermelon in a barrel before you put everything in? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we weren't at the same parties in college, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, it, it's probable. I'm, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny. Entirely possible. Um, well, man, this has been a lot of fun. I know it's uh, getting late for you guys, so... Um, not that 10 o'clock's terribly late, but we're old, or at least Tim and I are. Yeah. Um, but uh, we should probably wrap this up. Anything anybody wants to add? Josh, anything we didn't touch on that you're really proud of that you want to make sure everybody knows about your brewery? And despite my giving you a hard time about your wooden ship running the ground and stuff, I mean, it's obviously <laughs> hasn't at this point. So uh, anything you want to plug? Stuff that's coming up. Um, see, this is the question for our tapper manager. I have no idea what we're doing coming up. I just make <laughs> beer. Um, <laughs> oh, we got some. Uh, we're we're starting to hit the uh, the heavy hitters coming out here, just to uh, appease that crowd that's dedicated to standing outside in snowy days. Got a couple of big boozy things coming down the pipeline, which is not ever what I wanted to do, but we're doing it. So. <laughs> got some uh you know 12 percenters coming down the line and yeah i don't know we're uh i've got nothing to plug i don't know i can make some shit up but <laughs> we've been making shit up on this podcast for a year and a half yes yes we have <laughs> we we gave... i'll go ahead and I'll, I'll plug our one year party we have a party coming up may of 2022 you know i'm starting <laughs> planning that it's gonna be there great you, go. you guys should all come up we're remaking pharmacists, you know. We're going <laughs> we we gave John the the uh, founder of of Off Color a chance to plug whatever he wanted to, and he just plugged the Twitter account Gators Daily. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have time to ever do anything other than be at work or hanging out with my kid. So I have like the most boring life and and humanity right now which is not a bad thing i'm very happy with that but you know 
I see like two people a week other than my business partner. So <laughs> I haven't, and Tim, I haven't even seen you in like two months. I know it's been a while. I, well, it's, it, ABR, I think was probably the last one. Yeah. I suppose that was only a few weeks ago. Yeah. That's how well. my memory goes these days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been fun. It's nice Absolutely. to talk to other people about beer and get different perspectives on stuff. Oh, it's kind of nice to drink my own beer too. Like this, this Crowler's been sitting in here since we first planned this podcast. However many weeks ago that was supposed to be. Before I got, I think I got Salmonella. I don't. It was. It turned out to not be COVID, but <laughs> my my temperature it was one hundred and three point eight. That's that starts to get into Ooh. like dangerous territory. Yeah. 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 Should get some botulism. <laughs> well, no, like literally, it was right after that Salmonella that onion recall and i and i never officially got it confirmed from the doctor but i started reading all of the things that were going on and i'm like this is basically the journey i've been on for the last five days i think that's what's going on um so that was fun but that's why this didn't happen sooner (laughs) all All right well um not much else to say. Check out the Tailgate <laughs> Society again. Um, Revit, Revelton Distillery, um, our new title sponsor at the Tailgate Society. We're still trying to come up with some copy for that. We'll get that out or recorded something where we can drop in eventually. I, um, I think some is on on its way to you, isn't it? Um, maybe if I ever actually sent him my address, because he asked for it and I never sent it to him. Um, because I sort of forgot about it until you just said it. Because I remember seeing that, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I need to do that," and then I forgot about it. Um, so you bitch and you bitch and you bitch. I know I'm a bitch. Um, <laughs> cut that out for a drop if we did drops. Um. But anyways, check us out at bitterunits.com. You can find Tim, TJ, and I all on Twitter. Um, His name is JT. Sorry, JT. Thanks, Andy. Um, (laughs) Hey, at least I had the letters right. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean. So that that would make you Nora then. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. In today's day and age, I can be whatever I want. Um, whatever, whatever. So yeah. Anyways, Twitter. Bitter you at but bitter units on Twitter at Aaron Elwall at Tim Johnson MN at JT the Nut. Uh, some of you guys might have Instagram. I don't. I'm super old. I never got past Twitter. Um. So. Anyways. Thanks for listening. We hope you made it to the end. And this is the end. (laughs) Oh, God, you are just a wordsmith. I tell you what. Super good at it.